Hey, welcome back to the program. My name is Alan Carter. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with me. I like to keep my eye on the courts, on legal matters. That's stuff that just fascinates me. And recently there was a story in the Globe and Mail by Sean Fine that really jumped out at me. It's a fascinating decision by Ontario's Court of Appeal, and it all concerns the consequences for workplace harassment. I think this is an important issue, and we think we have to understand what it is the court is saying and what is it that the legal system is is saying about the consequences for this kind of behavior. All right, now here are the facts as they were argued in court. Ontario's top court has upheld the firing of a 30-year employee for a single incident in which he slapped a co-worker on the buttocks. The incident took place in a small office in Mississauga just after the company had actually introduced a zero-tolerance anti-harassment and anti-discrimination policy. And in front of a number of witnesses, uh, the company's operations manager slapped his co-worker and said at trial that this was accidental, that he'd actually meant to tap her on the hip and that she'd moved. But the lower court judge who heard the case found that no... He did not believe him. He found that it was intentional. Keep in mind that uh, the operations manager actually admitted that later he told a colleague, quote, for 10 bucks, you can shake my hand. Okay. So now he apologized, this uh, operations manager, he apologized to his coworker after the incident. She felt it was insincere. She testified that she felt humiliated by the incident. This manager was fired, and the court has upheld the manager's dismissal and warning him eight weeks termination pay. This is a fascinating case, and to talk about it, I'm really thrilled to uh, welcome to the program. Kristen Pennington is an employment lawyer and partner at McMillan. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Alan. Thanks for having me. All right. Give me a sense how the court's interpretation of sexual harassment in the workplace has changed here. Absolutely. So I should make clear at the outset that neither I nor my firm was involved in the particular case, the facts which you've just outlined. So I can't comment on the specifics of that case, but certainly as an employment law practitioner myself, I was really interested to read the decision of the Court of Appeal and to think about what its implications may be moving forward. So Canadian courts have long recognized the importance of the workplace being free from sexual harassment. So we have cases from the 80s and the 90s where courts have stated that it's a fundamental principle that employees should be free from sexually harassing comments and conduct when they're at work. And this concept is also already reflected in health and safety and human rights laws. And those generally require employers to take steps to prevent, to investigate, and to address workplace sexual harassment. So the idea that the workplace should be free from all types of sexual harassment and that someone may face consequences for engaging in that harassment in the workplace, this isn't a new concept happily. But one context in which courts continue to grapple with this issue is when they're asked to assess whether an employer had cause to terminate an employee's employment. So what they're looking at is, did the employee engage in misconduct? And if so, was that misconduct so severe that really there's been a breakdown in the employment relationship such that the employer can terminate employment immediately without giving the employee any advance notice or pay in lieu of that notice? So two of the factors that a court will consider when they're making that assessment are the nature and the extent of the employee's misconduct. Now, here's where sexual harassment comes in. Historically, the courts have viewed incidents of workplace sexual harassment along sort of a continuum of severity, 
with some incidents like provocative or gender-based comments being deemed, quote-unquote, less severe, while other incidents like sexual assault with a physical component were assigned sort of a higher severity. And what I think we're hearing now from the courts, including in this case, is that workplace sexual harassment isn't only unacceptable, which we've always known, but it's presumptively serious misconduct. And in particular, the Court of Appeal here is saying that conduct that previously might have been dismissed as being sort of all in good fun or less severe can really have a profound impact on the target and can really cause some significant discomfort and humiliation in the work environment. So although I think each case is going to continue to be determined based on its particular facts, I think that what we're seeing in some of these recent decisions, including this one this week, is a clear message from our courts that workplace sexual harassment of any kind is serious and that employers are really correct to treat it as such. Right. So that that previously there may have been a gradient of from from gray to black, if I could use that terminology. And now the court is saying, no, no, we treat it all the same. Yes. And along the same lines, some of these recent cases are also suggesting that even a single incident of workplace sexual harassment can be serious enough to justify termination of employment for cause, even if the employee has a long period of service and has no sort of prior disciplinary record. So it's a first offense. So again, sort of reinforcing the idea that this no longer has to be a pattern of misconduct or one really, really, quote unquote, severe incident in order to justify termination for cause, a single incident of workplace harassment can get there. Right. And and I guess perhaps that is the key takeaway for both the employees and employers from this? Absolutely. I mean, I think going forward, this really emphasizes that all of these decisions or all of these instances will be taken seriously and that employers are really empowered to treat all of these incidents as such. And I think it also underscores the importance of taking steps from an employer's perspective on the front end to make these difficult situations somewhat easier to manage or even to avoid them altogether. So there we're talking about things like having an appropriate procedure, complaint procedure in place to empower employees to bring forward these incidents and also to be engaging in regular training of employees about anti-harassment and what to do if they are subject to harassment or think they've been subject to harassment in the workplace. Christine, it's fascinating stuff. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. That's Kristen Pennington, who's an employment lawyer and partner at McMillan, uh, talking about this recent Court of Appeal decision. And I, the take, the so much important takeaway here, I think if you, you missed that, is it is one and done. It is no longer the court's um, view, as Kristen really, I think, point, you know, powerfully pointed out, that just because you don't have a history of this, just because you might think it's in a joking and oh, it's, oh, we're just all together, we're just having fun, and I just got carried away, that the court says that your company, you know, provided it has the correct procedures in place, is entitled to fire you with cause for that. I think that's important to keep in mind. All right. All right. That's a lot to digest. I'm a little thirsty. I'm parched, baby. You know what would be nice? A nice Ontario craft 
IPA. Wait a second. Wait a minute. My favorite brewery is now being owned by somebody else or possibly closing down because there's a consolidation in the craft brew market. Oh, my goodness. I'll slake your thirst with the information from that story when we come back on the Alan Carter Radio Program.